0: I'm definitely happy with the new challenges and how we're coping with this. Of course, I do hope that pandemic goes away (laughs) very soon, but uh, I think we're going to a new normal life, you know, where everything is not going to be the same as before. And a lot of people in Mongolia are starting to understand that uh, we need to use more technology and to be more connected you know, using online platforms. And this is one of the things I'm
1: grateful to
0: this pandemic experience.
1: Hello, TEDx organizers, and welcome to Solving for X. I'm this episode's host, Caroline Burke, Director of Community Engagement and Learning for TEDx. In this episode, I'm talking with Tuya Bot. Tuya is the lead organizer of TEDx Ulaanbaatar, the capital city of Mongolia. Today, Tuya is going to share with us how she feels TEDx organizers can adapt in the face of great uncertainty. Her team ran a major hybrid event just a few months ago that was 120 times the size of their normal in-person event. This broadened not only the reach of TEDx Ulaanbaatar, but it also broadened the team's perspective on just what their event can become in the future. Tuya tells the story of this pivot beautifully and along that journey, just where her team's joy comes from. So let's begin. Good evening, Tuya. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to have you here. Thank you for making the time to talk to us today. It is my pleasure. It is ours. And why don't we start straight with where you are right now? Tell us about Ulaanbaatar. So
0: Ulaanbaatar is the capital city of Mongolia. It is the biggest city, and it is also the cultural educational center in Mongolia, It is an honor to be part of this city. We have a lot of young people from 18 to 35 years old, and we are proud that Terex Ulaanbaatar has become one of the most famous youth events across Mongolia. It is being watched from all over Mongolia now.
1: It's extraordinary the role that Terex Ulaanbaatar has in your community. And I, I also know today is a special day for you, right? Yeah, today is
0: the Lunar New Year. Uh, It marks the beginning of spring and end of winter because winter is usually very harsh in Mongolia. We Mongolians especially celebrate this day that um, we have overcome winter very successfully. And Everything is going to get warm. But because pandemic, we are spending this holiday at
1: our homes while we usually visit our relatives and greet them. Maybe this is a celebration of all that's to come, you know, signifying the end of of a long, long winter. I know New Yorkers are feeling that too and really everyone around the world, and I can't thank you enough for carving out a moment in your day to speak with us. So tell us a little bit about the role that you feel TEDx Ulaanbaatar plays. So TEDx
0: Ulaanbaatar has been
1: uh, organized since 2011, and
0: I've joined TEDx Ulaanbaatar in 2017, which was, I guess, the mark of a very great journey for me. The current team that we have gathered in that year, and I'm very proud of them. The TEDx Ulaanbaatar has become one of the most famous events, not just in terms of TEDx, but also the whole range of events that is being
1: organized here. It's an extraordinary achievement, and no less, we can see it in your most recent event, which had 5,000 virtual attendees which is, I wanna say five times what your in-person theater would have typically accommodated. So even in a difficult year, you really adapted and brought the content to so many more people live and then up to 120,000 views from all around the world and counting. What a incredible mark you've made even in a very difficult time.
0: Yeah, we should say we were surprised too, but I think the hard work and enjoying your work always pays off. And actually, we were not planning to host the online event in the first place, but because of the pandemic breakout, everything has changed. And so uh, 2020 TEDx Lombator has been held in a hybrid format, which means the stage being the real one that we use during our in-person events, but we had no audience because of the new regulations that we cannot gather people uh, in big venues. So the speakers all came uh, to our stage and they spoke live, although we could have recorded the talks prior to the event, but we wanted to make the experience very real, so all live events, just like the live concerts always give a lot more that's why we chose to host it live but one of the things we were afraid is to make some technical mistakes uh but of course. of course yeah but of course we had to prepare very properly so nothing uh bad happened and everything worked out and we are really really happy for that also <laughs> One of the things that we are proud of is that all other events following our online event started hosting this kind of events. So I think we gave a good example
1: to everyone during these uneasy times. Yeah, you set a standard and inspired events all throughout the country. And I think my big question is, how did you prepare for something so high stakes? You're, you're right, a... A live hybrid event is so engaging, but um, it can feel like you're walking a tightrope. How did you rehearse? How did you structure your team?
0: Uh, Well, one of the most important ingredients in any event is, of course, the organizers team. And we have a lot of uh, good, uh, experienced volunteers. And usually we have 20 to 30 people but we had to downsize it to 10 because we were not allowed to gather a lot of people. And our team is very, very diverse, actually. <laughs> and we have like IT engineers, mathematicians, also biologists and financial business analysts and etc. And this is something that makes your event very rich. So the other ingredient is, of course, the speaker's. And we had to prepare them using online platforms like Zoom, Google Meets, and also sometimes Facebook Messenger. (laughs) We used to make video calls and talk to them on what topics they could speak and everything. We spoke to them during the two to three months prior to the event. Also, we had them come on stage on the day before the event so that they could get the experience on stage. Uh, This way, they would be less nervous and get some kind of feel. What will they be doing? And they will be confident on the stage. That's one of the most important things that we do each year. And we did not skip that tradition last time, too.
1: Tell me a little bit about the setup you had. How many cameras did you have capturing this live stream? During
0: our in-person events, we usually have less cameras because uh, the attendees are coming in person. So they get the feeling directly from the stage. But now we had one task is to deliver from many different angles as possible. So uh, we have set up two more cameras. This way, the uh, live transmission was brought from different angles and focused more on the speaker and also the presentations they had in the background. And also, uh, we had seated uh, three people from our team in the audience while socially distancing, and then they were given the speaker the feeling that real audience was there and the speaker could make the eye contact and not just look very robotically speaking, so to
1: say. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. that's so smart. So three team members acting as audience members to cheer on the speakers Yeah. and six cameras total.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How did the video team make decisions on which cameras and which angles to stream and cut to at the moment for the live stream?
0: Well, we are very lucky because the production company that we've been using since 2017 has upgraded their services to live streaming services, I think in 2019. And we were very lucky to have them because they knew how TEDx format works and they did everything during live stream. And when they record the videos, all the editing is almost ready to finish. So the live streaming and also the video recording and uh, post-production is everything included with them. And we trust them a lot. The team is really, really great.
1: And what is your backup plan when you're live streaming? If something goes wrong, you know, if a speaker forgets something and needs to start over or if the internet cuts out, did any of those things happen? And what kind of backup plans do you have just in case?
0: We had, three areas that we were concerned, one of them is electricity cutting out. But the venue had separate generators that were backing up such issues. So this is one backup plan. The other one is being the internet. And the live streaming production team always brings their wireless internet that is really high speed. Otherwise, sometimes some venues do not have such good quality internet. Right. That's why we always ask them to bring extra gadgets. And the third one is speakers might get nervous or they forget some of the parts or even the presentation slides won't change and everything. Right. Uh, Some speakers, they prefer to have the texts in front of them on the screens on the stage, but that is not visible to the audience. Just... The speakers can see that, and some of them do not. But we always ask them if they need that. It's, of course, better if the speakers speak naturally. Otherwise, when there is a text, there's always a feeling that he or she is reading from somewhere. So we try not to do that. And also, in terms of the presentation slides, we always have one backup person who is very familiar with the slides and what the speaker is going to talk. And uh, she is always sitting in the recording room and listens to what the speaker is saying. And if the slides do not change, she is always helping as a backup person. So this is also one of the ingredients we always use, not just
1: during online events. Right. So you have this incredibly specialized team you're very prepared you have (laughs) three levels of backup plans um one question i have is had you always live streamed your events before 2020 or was this the first time that you did that
0: well this was our very very first time (laughs) we were very nervous and one of the reasons we did not use live streaming is because our audience uh purchase tickets and we wanted to respect the way that they are paying for the event and experiencing uh, the uh, getting some experience on this. So uh, we tried to not uh, do a live transmission. uh, And this was the first time we did it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Wow. And do you anticipate doing that for your future events?
0: Well, as for me, I really miss my audience. And during the events, we always get to discuss the topics, the ideas, mm-hmm. and they are very friendly and sharing their opinion on different issues. And Mongolia is also a very small country where where you get to uh, meet all of your acquaintances on big events. So <laughs> this is one of the privileges of hosting an in-person event. We would love to have our traditional event, uh, but of course we are not changing the new format. Probably we will do both, maybe on different occasions. One time we will host an in-person event and then maybe do transmissions of uh, salon events,
1: smaller ones, probably. Oh, that's smart. Right. So this way you're reaching two different you know, audiences and, and really deepening your engagement at different levels, meeting in person, which is irreplaceable, but then also being able to share your content across the country and maybe even across the world for those that can't be there live. Yeah,
0: that's right.
1: Wow. So that's a big shift for you from, from 2020. Do you feel all in all with the shift, do you feel that your event is better off now, having shifted into this new format. I'm
0: definitely happy with the new challenges and how we're coping with this. Of course, I do hope that pandemic goes away <laughs> very soon. Yeah, but uh, I think we are going to a new normal life. You know, where everything is not going to be the same as before. And a lot of people in Mongolia are starting to understand that uh, we need to use more technology and to be more connected, you know, using online platforms. And I, this is one of the things I'm grateful to this pandemic experience. Uh, and in terms of TEDx, I think it's also going to be not the same as before. We will try to use as much uh, new technical developments as possible. This is very important for the young people so that they get to know that uh, there are new opportunities and
1: new platforms that are available. There's, there's this third secret ingredient that we see in you and imbued in your event and the way you talk about uh, what you do and what your team does, which is joy. And, and I want to ask you, where do you find joy in the organizing process?
0: Well, I'd like to say that TEDx is one of my passion projects. It's really uh, motivating. I also volunteer for TED Translators, one of the projects at TED Two. And there, I ha- I first joined TED as a TED Translator, and TED Translator has given me a chance to get to know more about TEDx events and things were going on and on, and now TEDx has become just part of my life. And actually, I think that um, people might think that we are giving something, new ideas, or maybe motivation, inspiration, and everything to our audience, But uh, in real life, our team, including me, we all get something from them and from organizing this TEDx event. So it's not really about just giving, but also receiving new ideas, new experiences. Uh, Thanks to TEDx, we have met a lot of interesting people. Uh, I mean, the speakers and also people from our audience. And each time we meet new people, we learn at least something, one thing new. And this is one of the rewards I get. And I'm a financial analyst by profession, but organizing a TEDx event has been very rewarding for me. And you do not get that at my job, you know? And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I'm just really happy to be engaged in this. Uh, also, when people say that, Oh, your event was so good. It was so inspiring and everything. You're kind of being recognized for that. It's really, really (laughs) um, making you happy. So probably that's why we keep doing this from year to year.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I was going to ask when, at what moment in the event organizing process do you think your team is the happiest?
0: Oh, it's... uh, Definitely on the day, (laughs) because (laughs) until the start, you always feel very nervous and you're afraid if something goes wrong or, you know, how do you make people happy, make the audience experience as good as possible and everything. But once the event starts, it just goes with the flow because we did good preparation, right? And usually our events are hosted from 9 o'clock until 6 p.m. And at noon, <laughs> you all feel very relaxed and you feel yeah. like everything's over. And of course, after the <laughs> event, you get a lot of thank yous. <laughs> That's when we must enjoy it.
1: You describe it so accurately. And you know we have another Solving for X episode with David Ray, who is the curator of TEDx Portland and the host. And he talks about how the night before the event, he checks himself into a hotel just <laughs> to deal with all the anxiety on his own before he shows up the next day, and um, <laughs> and there's so many different rituals that we see around around uh, the community.
0: <laughs> very interesting. I just um, remembered one thing. We have a team member on our team. He is in the production team, and. He used to be very, very nervous the day before the event and he ate nothing starting from the <laughs> evening before and until the event is over at 6 p.m. The next day he only drinks water and eats nothing because it's very. he used to be very nervous and he was not willing to eat anything. Uh, but during the recent two-year event, he was uh, very experienced, so doesn't feel that way anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so small steps, small steps every year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I oh, guess but... a lot of people face different kinds of challenges.
1: <laughs> oh my God, we all do. We—it's so human, you know, and and it shows how important these moments are to us.
0: Um, Yeah, that's right.
1: (laughs) To the episode uh, just before this one that we recorded was with psychologist and TED speaker, Guy Winch. And one of the things he described in our episode with him is how TEDx events can usher in healing after the pandemic. And he imagined that when the pandemic is finally over TEDx events will be among the first to help us feel alive in a really special way again to feel together to feel community and I want you to dream with me a little bit I want you to kind of muse on what you imagine your event can be when you can finally gather again what are you dreaming about what are you hoping for what can that look like
0: Oh, I would just love to meet my audience again <laughs> and see their faces uh, when they hear new ideas. Because when you host online events, you really cannot engage as lively as before. So uh, first thing I want to do is meet them. <laughs> and the other one is that uh, we want to use more ideas on how we should adapt to the new normal. And our online event was just a reminder, a small, small reminder that everything will be as usual, that people do not need to worry a lot. Uh, And we also try to have psychologists talking on our events, how we can adapt to the situations. So I hope everything is going to be normal and okay very, very soon. And one of the things I'm really happy about is that I am sure that ideas will be just keep spreading no matter what and just in the new ways compared to mm. before.
1: Yeah, me too. Do you have any crazy ideas?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> we would like to host an outdoor event in the countryside, uh, very close to Lombata probably. And set up a stage, have our audience just sit on the grass and enjoy the uh, TEDx and also the view, and all the horses and sheep will be just in the background, and hopefully this comes very,
1: very soon. <laughs> what an event that will be.: <laughs> Tuya. Now my final question for you. You have maintained and your team has maintained this incredible spirit of joy in a difficult moment and that has enabled you to adapt in these new ways. You really have clarity on what TEDx organizers can offer to the world. Can you share with your fellow TEDxers listening to you right now what you feel they can offer to the world in this moment?
0: Always finding new ideas is one of the key drivers of TEDx organizers. And even in the lockdown, we keep searching for new ideas, not just in the months upcoming to the event, but during the whole year. And every time we see an interesting idea, we just think in our heads and develop how we can use this in our event and everything. So I want to ask my fellow TEDx organizers Not to lose their inner drive and always keep searching for new ideas, no matter what happens.
1: How do you do that? You know, it's hard. It's hard sometimes, right? Especially in a moment of crisis. How do you hold on tight to that drive, Tuya?
0: As for me, every time our Facebook page receives a message that this talk was great and when is the next event going to be hosted or how can I contact this speaker? I want to discuss some problems of mine with them and everything. I think that's what keeps you going. Otherwise, you you could get lost in everything that's happening around the world. Each year, I just wait eagerly for the next event, especially for the biggest one that we host in May. And it is our tradition. And no matter what happens, we will host it on the first weekend of May each year. And even pandemic will not stop us.
1: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Tuya, TEDxUlanBadr is indomitable. The fact that you will be there no matter what every year to run a event share ideas with your country and with the world that give us all hope is a beautiful thing to celebrate and we cannot wait to see the talks from uh, whenever you do hold that event out in front of the mountain range surrounded by (laughs) surrounded by the animals and the fresh air that is a vision that we know is coming soon and we can't wait to see it I cannot wait to see it too. <laughs> thank you for spending this time with us.
0: And I would like to thank you, Caroline, and everyone else who's listening to this recording. And I hope someday everything will be okay and all the TEDx events will be organized as usual.
1: It will, and even better. Thanks to you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Solving for X. We want to hear about your events, your ideas, and your dreams for the future. Share them all with your fellow organizers on the TEDx Hub. There, you and your team members can find all kinds of wisdom, resources, and inspiration from TEDxers around the world. This episode was produced by Bianca de Jesus, researched by Elia Raza, recorded by Taylor Stemley, and edited by Mickey Capper. If you haven't already, subscribe right now to the Solving for X channel, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, Google, or of course, on the TEDx Hub. Thank you for listening to Solving for X and see you next time.